G'day everybody, welcome to the 20th edition of Tiger Tragics. Before we get stuck into it, it's been a big weekend of football for, for the Richmond Football Club. Let's have a listen to what happened on Friday night at the MCG. Almost a full forward revolt from the side, but Henderson got a fist to it first. Back of the pack, Townsend! Oh, he kicks them! Week after week! Revolt can he gather it in the forward pocket, he's got it now. He tries the impossible across the face, that's his there! Pastor Martin takes it, centers it up. And the mark has been taken by Josh Caddy directly in front. He will go back and line up Josh Caddy. This time it's good. He puts it through for the Tigers. There's their second goal. Castagna goes a second time. Oh, you know he's going to kick the goal. It's Butler. Wow. The Butler did it from the pocket. He's almost directly in front, Flostone. Skips, kicks from 49 metres. Got a good piece of it. It's a goal. It's a great kick. McIntosh to Dustin Martin. He's outside the 50. Martin wants to go. He centres it up. He goes to the kick for Edwards, who takes the mark in a great spot for the Tigers. He is directly in front. And there's another one for the Tigers. Couple of goals on the trot. And he's kicked to Martin versus Stewart. And Stewart does really well. Then Martin just blows him off away. He has a bounce. He has a second. He's going to run that wing on the southern side. Keeps it low. Aims the kick for Revolt. Sits for Jack. A thundering kick on his own in the goal square. Prestia. Tigers coast to coast. And have a listen to those Richmond Riders fans around the G. What about Martin? Revolt couldn't take it low down. Ball to be won. Dustin Martin's got it again. He got past one. He got past two. He's outside the 50. He goes with a big long kick. Top of the goal square. It'll be Greg. Take the mark. Kick the goal. There goes Martin again. Dustin Martin, you are a superstar. Graham will get the handball away. And then Lambert will kick a goal. And that could be the knockout blow. Look at the Tiger Army. Have a listen. This is like a batsman who's just made 200 not out at the MCG. A standing ovation for Dustin Martin. Staring inside the 50 big jump. Zachary Walton, little flick. Out. Cotchin. Goal. Look at that. Extraordinary Harlem Globetrotter stuff here at the MCG. We're ready for the siren. And what a roar it's going to be around the MCG. It's going to be a roar like we haven't heard for a very long time. Maybe never before. Finally! A different September feeling for the Tigers. A winning feeling. And how good's that? Tiger fans on their feet. They're taking selfies. I was here. I was here the day they broke through. They are into the preliminary final. And let's listen to them lap it up. Are we feeling about life at the moment? I'm Mitchell Scott. This is Tony Shebeki. How are you, Tone? I'm excellent. Thank you, Mitchell. I'm feeling pretty good at the moment. And Carl Bianco. Gentlemen, great to be with you. This is foreign territory for me. Um, coming for in off of for most of us, uh, particularly for you, Carl. Carl, you're 21? Yes. So it's been 16 years since Richmond won a final. So you were five years old. Yeah, that's okay. Do you I remember that? Just. I was 16, I'm now 32, so half a lifetime ago for me since I've had this feeling. And back then, even, it was just, 
it, we were still second rate back then against when we, we beat Carlton in uh, 2001. We were always going to get pants by Brisbane. So this is foreign territory to a lot of us, Shebex. Well, I was born when Richmond beat Geelong in the 67 grand final. I was too young, probably at six and seven, to really remember the early 70s and the grand final wins there. I was at the 1980 grand final where we beat Collingwood by a then record margin of 81 points. I was at the 82 grand final where we lost to Carlton. And I was at our last preliminary final. Up at Brisbane? No, 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 not up at Brisbane. At Punt Road with 10,000 other Richmond supporters watching it on the big Ah. screen. That night watching us lose by, I think it was about 10 goals or something. It was a big... Absolutely flogged. And uh, the series was, it was a great night. The Tigers put on this huge night at Punt Road. Fans who can't go to the ground, come and watch it here. So we And there was a massive crowd. And boy, we were pants. We were pants. And they obviously went on to do it. If you've been living under a rock, if you haven't looked at the uh, at a clock in the last three days and realised that it is Tiger time, uh, Richmond won its first uh, final in 16 years and a very important final at that, defeating Geelong 13-13-91 to... A measly five ten forty. It's fair to say. Uh, uh, it's um. It's been a whirlwind last few days. I think for everyone, we've sort of so- been soaking it up, been enjoying the the moments. Uh, you know, and I, sp- I think it's you know probably after today and after this podcast, will be time to sort of take a bit of a breath and and start focusing again on a, on the preliminary final. But I think it's really good that we've we've like we, everyone's kind of really soaked it up and but, enjoyed it. We well, haven't. You know what? It's not just everyone who's a Richmond supporter. We've we've actually got. A lot of respect from non-Richmond supporters. Those people that were knocking us and have been knocking us and saying, oh, you know, you're not going to win a final. That All of a sudden we beat Geelong by a decent margin. And I had so many people coming up to me on the weekend who I assumed would normally be, you know, oh, wait until the preliminary final, you get, you get done. People are saying, you guys could go on and actually win this grand final. It was amazing the amount of people, non-Richmond supporters, that have actually jumped on the Tiger train. The the train is roaring. We've got, you know, Kevin Bartlett has today declared that it is Tiger time officially. <laughs> pulling into Punt Road Station. <laughs> I was like, what was that? It was the train. The Tiger coming. train. We're roaring. Um, it's. It, it, let's go back to Friday night. The build-up to the game was intense. It was electric. To, I mean, to... I felt sick. I was sick in my stomach. I went to the... the even um, a little bit of vomit, I think, might have come up my throat. It was a hard day working Friday because it was just such a long day before we got it. I, I left here at SEN at six o'clock, went straight to the G, went straight to uh, one of the bars there, a couple of schooners just to uh, lessen the nerves, and then found my seat. And Carl happened to be sitting next to me, which was uh, which was interesting for the for the fact that at the end we got to have a bit of a celebration there. But uh, to sort of go through the game quarter by quarter, player by player, the the first quarter really. We we we, we they put the key word for the whole game really was pressure. Oh, um, the pre the pressure that we applied throughout the game uh, was electric. We we kicked the first first couple of goals. We, Ge- Geelong barely got a look in it. I think uh, our pressure factor for the game, if I'm reading here correctly, we got up to 209, which is the highest amount of pressure recorded for the club since 2012. So when we talk about trying to get out of the blocks and uh, and you know make a statement in September. Or, of you know we're we're not going to be we're not going to go down like we have in recent history, um, you know that we did everything that we could have to to have done that. Did we get enough pressure on the scoreboard at the time? Probably not. We didn't really take advantage of it all, but uh, we put our best foot forward. And you know I think that early on at least the feelings that uh, the de- feelings of doubt that maybe you know oh you know another September 
here we go again. You know, we might, we, you know, any doubt about straight sets was sort of started to get eliminated by that thinking we were in it. Um, key, of, key, key factors in the game. You're right, pressure was amazing. That, that tackle pressure from Richmond, 92 to 94 tackles. They actually had two more tackles than we did, but our tackles were like hard and fierce and tough. Patrick Dangerfield, with an effectiveness of 45%, would have to be his worst in, he, in his history, I reckon. I don't think he's probably had a worse effective game. Even his, his, his wife said that they looked fumbly. All night when when it came his to wife the did, yeah his wife he wrote a column yesterday and said oh geez you got you looked a bit fumbly out there didn't you and and that's a direct result of Richmond's pressure and I think that's something that we must praise the Richmond Football Club for yeah. is that everyone a lot, a lot of the criticism about Geelong I mean God forbid Chris God actually pay credit to a football club that beat his team by nine goals uh, in a final but if you listen to the press conference straight after oh we weren't. You know, we had too many players that just didn't play well. Well, you know why they didn't play well? Because we pressured them so much that they weren't able to get any of the game on their own terms. Joel Selwood, 45 metres gained. That's the whole Six kicks. Six kicks. 45 metres gained. I did giggle because a lot of the players... You know, coming into this game, though, a lot of the Geelong supporters were extremely confident going into this one. They were sitting around going, uh, "We beat you last time when when we were down there. We didn't have uh, we didn't have Tom Hawkins. We didn't have Joel Selwood. We didn't have Mitch Duncan. And you know what? Harry Taylor did a number on Alex Rance. That'll we, that'll happen again. What, we'll just wait till we get Tomahawk in there. Well, they had they were nowhere to be seen. The MCG was a fortress for us. And you know, I know that the Geelong supporters will sit there and go. Uh, it wasn't our home ground, you know. It's not our home ground. Bad luck. You do play home games there. Maybe your supporters should have turned up more and uh, and come in and made they had it made as much sense. opportunity as Richard supporters to buy tickets. Exactly, and they and you know what, uh, that that sound when we ran out before the game and then we we booed them when they came out as well. Uh, you know, I'm hearing talk today that oh, some people are you know they didn't feel like they were comfortable being able to openly support their their team from for Geelong there. That's what it's, but it's all about. You know, you've got to create, you've got to create the noise to make it feel like your own home game. If that's the case, is it not? Yeah, no, exactly. You'd be very quiet, Carl. Yeah, I always seem to be quiet at the start. I'm not too sure. I just let you guys have a chat, and then I'll, I'll make a comment well, shortly. Well, Carl, your first impressions of the first quarter. What were you, what were you feeling at quarter time? We were, we led by a couple of goals. We we had one denied from us by a Basher Hooley goal because of a dodgy free kick that was paid against Jack Rewalt for. Bit of a bump. That we, it was, mm. No, it wasn't dodgy. It was, you reckon it was right? It was a fair shove. Oh, yeah. did you? Okay. Fair shove. We disagree then. Mm. What do you think, Carl? Quarter time. Yeah, look, quarter time, I, I definitely thought we were the better team. We, 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 we came to play in Geelong. They just, yeah, they, they just sort of looked a little bit sleepy or something. They were slow. Yeah. I, I don't know what it was. We, we came out hard and, and fast, and it wasn't like we were up by a, a massive margin. You know, we, we moved forward to half time and... You know, it was pretty close. I reckon it wasn't until late in that third quarter that we really started to run over the top of Geelong. And then in the fourth quarter, you know. Well, the biggest thing for me, the, the biggest game changer for me was Guthrie not coming back on after his injury. Yeah. And that freed Martin up. I thought he did a great job. I, I, even though he only played two quarters of footy, I'd nearly put him in their best players for the game. He did a great job on Dustin Martin for the first half. He sure did. It was a strange second quarter because it, was, it felt like it was played between the arcs for the most part that yeah. we... We kicked one goal. I think they kicked two. Those two goals in late the in, the, minutes, in, the, in, yeah. in the last yeah, couple of minutes of the of the quarter, which suddenly got it back to about nine points. And at that point, um, you know, it was a long twenty minute break at half time, sitting there going, "Oh, geez," you know, they had they got a little bit of momentum there, and that was kind of the feeling I think going into that third quarter that Geelong haven't been able to get the game 
in any way on their terms, but they were only a couple of kicks down. They pressured they they, they pressured the scoreboard in that first uh, ten minutes of the of the third quarter. Yep. Managed to get draw a level, and I, there, that was probably the lowest ebb for Richmond supporters of the game, where we all sort of felt like, oh, here we go. Maybe you know, if if they do click. If they do click and we drop off a bit, then uh, you know they can they can hit the scoreboard and and put us away. And then, as you say, Cam Guthrie goes off into Dustin Martin, who takes his game to another level. And there were a couple of really key moments there for Dusty, where he uh, he there was a little burst and a beautiful little kick to set up Chain Edwards, who gold from about thirty five out, and then the the probably the play of the night. That everyone's been talking about from since uh, you know since Friday night, where he he the, it's a fifty fifty contest with Tom Stewart, typical Dusty fashion, does the fend off, burns him, runs the fastest he did all night, bombs it sixty meters long. Jack Rewalt reads the ball beautifully, yeah. happens to collect it on the on the bounce, and Dion Prestia, having read and anticipated the whole thing, streams forward. Jack puts it on his chest ten meters out. Richmond go into the three quarter time break thirteen points up. And suddenly there's just a bit of a buzz around the MCG and everyone's thinking, we can do this, we can do this. And then, party time. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? A lot of people, have, a lot of journalists and the like have put Dustin Martin as our best on ground. I don't think he was. I think Dion Prestia, for me, was best on ground. I thought his efforts for the entire game were absolutely amazing. And probably his best game that he's played for the Richmond Football Club. I have no doubt about that. And throw in Josh Caddy as well. I thought Josh Caddy was fantastic. So finally... Richmond fans are starting to see what these two guys can put together uh, when they play well together. Prestia, 31 disposals, uh, 348 metres gained, uh, five clearances. 18 contested possessions. And 23 pressure acts. That's the one stat I keep coming back to that I know that we had the SEN player ratings done here on uh, on the weekend and there was a bit of criticism from a few people that came into the Twitter account at Tiger Tragic saying, um, oh, geez, you know, where was there was no credit paid to Jack Graham and Castagna and these guys because they just looked at the, you know, kicks, marks and, and scoreboard. When uh, the, the, the one stat I think that we need to mark for all these sort of guys is the pressure acts and the tackles. And, you know, I look at your Dion Prestia, 23 pressure acts. I look at, um, you know. Only beaten, the only person that beat him for pressure acts was Sean Grigg with 24. Which was yeah, which which I which, Kane Lambert I think had twenty four. You as well, talk but. you talk about guys and and how they've changed their game. Sean Grigg was such a, yeah. a, a an outside one way runner three four years ago. Got the easy ball on the outside. Didn't really lay any tackling pressure out. Now he's leading in a final for pressure acts. Jack Graham third game had eight tackles till half time. Six in the first quarter. And you know, I there were commentators last week who wanted to drop him because of experience and thinking that oh, if Josh Caddy's going to come in, we can't drop Townsend like for like. We decided that Markov was the was the expendable one, and that's yeah. what they ended up thinking of because we still had enough runners in there. We weren't going to deprive ourselves of that run, which, um, as we saw, was uh, was we 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 burned them really for the whole night. You speak about people who have played three games. What about Josh Townsend? Jacob Townsend. I'm just going to call them all Josh today. They're all Josh. <laughs> Everyone's Josh. Uh, 21 kicks in three games of footy for 13 goals. Two disposals on the weekend, two goals. You talk about taking the most of opportunities. 21, 21 kicks for 13 goals. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. Um, and you talk about yeah, blokes who've taken their opportunities on the big stage. I'm, I think that I'm so proud of the fact that this team was was going to be pillared all week. That uh, you know, is it going to stand up to finals pressure? Is it you know they've, they've wilted before? Geelong's got all the finals experience. You know what Geelong's finals experience was though? 
They've lost a lot of finals in recent years. Mm. They've lost a lot of finals on the MCG. Yes, they've had the wood over Richmond. And looking back to it, when I sit there on Friday, sat there on Friday night before the game, and I thought, what, what, what's the argument against Richmond here? The argument was history. H- history and experience. That was the only argument against Richmond. And you know what? Meant nothing. Meant nothing. You've been very quiet, Carl. Yeah, can I just say, though, Kane Lambert, I reckon, has stepped up so much this year. I know we've recognised him for his efforts across the year, but... To me, that was demonstrated last weekend when we obviously smashed Geelong. We didn't just beat Geelong. We smashed him, by the way, and it's a great feeling to have. Um, but I, I reckon, you know, I mean, he kicked one three. It would have been nicer for him to have another goal or two. But, you know, he's got 24 disposals on the weekend. I, I, I reckon he's really stepped up because if we had it gone back a few years ago, I would have been sort of arguing that Lambert probably, you know, what's the purpose of having him in our best 22? But... I, I I certainly think he's proved, you know, how great a player he can be, and he's had his best season. You're right. He was his story. You know, I heard his story again on the weekend, uh, and it's a pretty magnificent one when you think about it. He was on the Northern Blues list in the VFL, and he dominated. He won the best. He won the the best player in, in the in the league award by about eighty votes or something ridiculous. And the thought at the time was, why doesn't Carlton, you know, rookie list him and put him on the put get him on the senior list? They avoided him. They went. They they went. Nah, you know what? He's probably surplus to requirements of the type of player we already have. So he goes to Williamstown in the VFL, tears it up again, and Richmond a year later decided, you know, we'll throw your lifeline in the rookie list. Comes on, he get he got to a certain level, and you're right. We all sort of thought, has he got another gear to go? Is this also we're going to offer? Is he going to be a bit like a Nick Graham at Carlton, where he's you know does does some good things, never going to really make it up to a to a consistent AFL standard? But this year. He has been as just as underrated as just about anyone in that team for for presence for 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 bobbing up with a goal when it's important and for actually getting those sort of in and under numbers that you don't notice on the day but you go back and you watch the replay and you go oh yeah there's you yeah. know there's a passage plate sure enough who's in the middle of it Kane Lambert can I uh, can I congratulate Chris Scott for handing Richmond that final on a platter <laughs> yes if. If Chris Scott, by any way or means, thought that Harry Taylor was going to beat Alex Rance twice in four weeks, Fenningham, he's a lot worse a coach than I thought. I love Chris Scott. I think he's a really good coach. But that was the most stupidest decision to play Taylor up forward again, knowing that Rance was going to pick him up. There is absolutely no way Rance was going to get pantsed again twice in four weeks. He is one of the best defenders we have seen in this game's history. And he prides himself on winning the contest. There is no way he was going to let that happen again. As soon as I saw Harry Taylor go up forward, I thought, we are a massive chance. Did I, and, you know, go back a night, the night before, we were all looking at each other when they decided to drop Daniel Menzel. And we went, Man. well, that's a win. That's a win. And I know that the, the argument, you know, against him was, oh, you know, his lack of, lack of pressure, which... In the end, I don't know whether one that they all lacked pressure on the night, Correct. but they needed they needed avenues for goal. And you had Hawkins tied up, who bobbed up with one goal. You had uh, Taylor bobbed up with one goal. And aside from that, they had uh, Patrick Dangerfield and Stephen Motlop kicked two in the last minute of the second quarter. And there was someone else who bobbed up with one other goal in, for them, and that was it. Uh, James Parsons in the early in the third quarter. That that was it. They needed avenues for goal. They needed someone to find them. Uh, you know, a, a, an opportunity which they needed a you know a Jacob Townsend who two two opportunities, two goals. They dropped that and taught, and in doing so, went in with a very lumbering forward line that we knew that our defensive system was able to get a read and just pick it up and lap it up. 
the Rance was outstanding. I mean, look, there were that many outstanding players really you know, on the night for us. But Rance and Asprey just working off those two. You look at our inside. Um, you want this? This is the stat I reckon that proves how ineffective Geelong's forward line was all night and how effective ours was. Marks, uh, marks inside fifty and tackles inside fifty. We had eighteen marks inside fifty to five. Mm. They could not get the ball in there and actually keep it in there and do something with it. And then tackles inside 50, 21 to 4. 21 to 4. We, as soon as the ball went inside our inside our 50, we locked it up. We kept it up there. We kept the pressure on. They had four in there. The ball kept, no wonder the ball kept getting smacked back out because, because Hawkins and, and Taylor and these guys were nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Do you know what else, though? Dusty didn't kick a goal the whole night. He kicked one behind. He set up a couple of beauties. Yeah, so. no, no. He set up some great goals, but. You know, usually when we need a spark, Dusty pops up and kicks a goal, and that really gets our momentum going into, you know, it's around about close to three-quarter time. He'll kick a goal. We have the break, and we come out and smash it in the last quarter. Not in all cases, but or even in early in the fourth quarter when we really need a spark and a, a bit of a motivator, Dusty will come up and kick that goal. We weren't dependent on Dusty to kick that goal, and he still had a great game. He had 28 disposals. So I think that says something about where where we are as a football club as well. We're not dependent on individuals like we have been in in the past seasons. Um, we're actually working together as a team, and the, you know they're playing for each other and for the club. They're not sort of you know playing as a bunch of individuals, if you know yeah. what I mean. The amount of upside there still is, as you say. Dustin Dustin Martin didn't hit the scoreboard. Jack Rewalt kicked the last goal of the game in in junk time. And but he was crucial in so many plays as well. Where there was in the first quarter, he, he that deft little uh, deft little left foot kick across the goal that set up Dusty to then put it back onto Josh Caddy. Uh, he was involved in that passage of play in the last quarter where uh, he, he laid a little bump and Dusty took and then got the handball onto Dusty, who then put it on Dan Butler's chest, which then led to this the, one of the most moments of uh, one of the great moments of jubilation we've seen when Dusty came to the bench about ten minutes to go in the game. And 85,000 Richmond supporters just were in raptures. Funny you mentioned that moment because it was exactly the same time that Dusty was coming to the bench that we put up the crowd figure on the scoreboard of 95,046 <laughs> or whatever it was. And we heard this massive roar and we said, the scoreboard control room is sort of, there's a level down the front and then we're up, there's people up the back as well. And we go, they're not cheering like that for the scorer, or for the crowd, are they? That is amazing. And then someone down the front said, "No, nah, Dusty's coming off." Yeah, it was right at that exact moment, and it just—it was very weird. But no, he, they love him. It's an amazing thing that you know we don't see that too often in in Australian rules because we you know we rotate so often. But it felt it felt like a moment in a Premier League game where the champion player who's kicked three goals in a you know and scored a hat trick in an FA Cup final has been subbed off to the bench and, you know, the whole crowd stops and, and uh, you know, recognises this person. Happened again, actually, about five minutes later when Rance came yeah. off as well. Not quite to that sort of level, but, um, you know, it, I think it was... The, Carl and I looked at each other uh, and we said, we're up by nine goals. What is going on? Like, yeah. it, there was this sort of feeling of just jubilation and disbelief at the same time that this is, this is where we're at. We are. We just couldn't... No one wanted to fathom that this is where we were because we didn't want to get ahead and of I, ourselves. And I think if we be honest too, three or four of those goals towards the end were junk time goals. I oh, think we, Geelong had given up and they thought, well, that's it. We're, we're not going to get there. So We'd broken them. Back. Yeah, we, we, we had exactly. So, But to say that, uh, there's no doubt. If uh, I, I thought we were at least a seven-goal better team than they were on the oh, day. Easily. And I think they probably could have been ten goals. We could have been five, six goals up at least at three at half time had we have just uh, been a little bit more straighter. And I think we feared that 
you know, the, one of the themes when, we, when we've come back to this football club throughout the year has been, oh, you know, yeah, accuracy yeah. in front of goal. Have we have we been able to hit the scoreboard enough? And um, in the last month or six weeks, we actually our scoring has opened up dramatically. Uh, if you look at the numbers, I know early in the year, you know, seventy six was the magic number, but now it seems to be, you know, we're peppering up around that ninety to one hundred mark each each time. I was so wrapped for Trent Cotchin. This is a yeah. bloke who's been criticised from pillar to post for for not standing up in finals. He had a great game, um, and he you know he led from the front, and he had this uh, you know he had that moment in the last quarter where yeah it was a junk time goal, but it just symbolised uh, you know the whole night. He does a blind turn. There's a little fend off in there as well. Throws it on his left boot, floats through, and everyone ran to him. And you know I think we all wanted to jump the fence at that point and put our arms around him as well. Yeah. Well, can I just say on that like no. that. All right, then I'm out of here. <laughs> no, 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 look, that, as soon as that happened, for me, that was just a true reflection on the season Koch has had. Like, it was just a remarkable thing to see him do that. It, you know, you could say it's a fluke, pretty skillful in my opinion. And I reckon, you know, that just for me sealed how great a season Koch has had as a leader and a contributor. Well, like, he's, he's always there. He's just always there. Every game you always see him pop up. And it's it's almost like every game he plays, is he's trying to have his best game of his life. Like... You're absolutely spot fantastic. On. The two main leaders of our club, in uh, Damien Hardwick and Trent Cotchen, have had the most amazing six or seven months this year. Yeah. I mean, for everyone wanted Hardwick's head last year. Everyone bagged Cotchen for what they perceived to be a poor effort as a captain. And those two blokes have probably done a little bit of soul searching over the summer. And they've come into 2017 with a whole new attitude and a new breath of life in their football as coach and captain. Mm. And it has rubbed off right throughout the whole team. I have no doubt about that, that they're renewed vigour for this football club and want to prove everyone wrong in the way that they go about things has been a key point in them why this club's gone to where it's gone. You're spot on. The key, the key thing that's come out over the weekend when people look back at the year and go, geez, what's, what changed at Richmond? It is The key thing they've done is that you, they invested in their people and their culture. Yeah. And, and for, for Richmond to stay with, with Damien Hardwick at the end of last year, he's come out of 2007, uh, 2016 and gone, well, this club actually believes that I can do this job. Uh, I now need to find a way to make sure that that happens. And I'm sure that's what his thoughts would have been throughout the summer. And he's come back in 2017, knowing that he, he had the ability to do it, but just needed to prove it to everyone that he could. And Trent Kotcher would have been the same. He would have listened to those naysayers last year. And that would have had a marked effect on Trent Kotcher, who's a very proud man. And uh, I think how Damien said it a couple of times. You know, people don't see the work that Trent Kotcher does off the field to justify his captaincy of this club and, and what he does. So the same with Cochin. He would have gone off through the summer and thought, I need to really prove to these people that I am worthy of the position that I've got, knowing that the position of Richmond captain is a treasured and cherished position. And those two blokes have done an amazing job in their turnaround in 2017. And the key thing of that, as you say, it's all the, it's the little things. It's the They've opened themselves up. They've made themselves more vulnerable. They're, they've opened the lines of communication. And there's just the, there's the little things. There was, a, there was an incident on Friday night post-game in the rooms. And this goes, it's apparently it's something in the All Blacks culture. And you talk about how successful the All Blacks are as a national team. Um, that there's, there's no job that's below anyone. And Trent Cotchin went around the rooms after the game, last person in the rooms, and cleaned the place up. He tidied up all the Gatorade bottles, put them in the bin. And, you know, I think it goes to that sort of yeah. saying that the standard you walk past is a standard you accept. And it's it's saying that you're fully invested in this place, that you want to see 
the standard of where it's going to be and you know everyone's in all in this, you know the little things like that from the boot starter to the to the captain of the football club we're all in this together and for some for the, for those sort of acts that goes to show about the, the change in the place and this might be a time just to mention that uh Fox Sports is reporting that Focus on Footy leader. Remember our, our good friends uh, at Focus on Footy Group last year who tried to challenge the board. Dr. Martin yeah. Hiscox, uh, Dr. Martin Hiscock is taking credit for where Richmond finds itself right now, saying that uh, Richmond wouldn't be where it is without the influence of that group that challenged the board and put everyone on notice. What do we think of that? Look, I, there obviously had to be change at the end of last year, and I personally reckon that the changes the Focus on Footy Group were proposing were kind of already in the works behind the scenes. Yeah. Like you look at it, Barmy was sort of in negotiations with a few clubs to work out his future. And I think the best thing that we've done is sort of, I, I bring back Barmy to Richmond because obviously he played in Richmond's grand finals and seventies and whatnot. And do not underestimate that Neil Barm coming back to Richmond and its effect that it's had on the club. He's been very much a part of successful. 100%. Yeah. Well, just to yeah. quote just to quote Mr. Hiscock here, he says, uh, we are not looking for a pat on the back, but without our group, Neil Barm wouldn't be at the club and I don't think we would be where we are today. I think it's general knowledge now that we get we got him to Richmond. Uh, get him a free ticket to the grand final. Uh, well, he's, in, he's, he's, he's done this interview for Fox Footy from Paris. Apparently, he's over there for an art show. Um, so he wasn't even... Oh, fancy. Was, so he wasn't even here for the final. But... Um, I suppose the question off that is, so we all, we're all pretty much in agreement that these changes were going to be happening regardless of whether this group was putting the pressure on or not. Do you think we would have had the level of uh, of uh, of intent of looking in and and reviewing the club if not for that group putting the pressure on? Oh, I'm sure we would have, yeah. yeah. Uh, because last year, 2016, was an unacceptable season. There's no doubt about that. And Brendan Gale's no fool. And he would have uh, he would have ordered that that review happen and made sure that the the mistakes of last year didn't happen again in two thousand and seventeen. So, yeah, uh, oh, look, good on him. Thanks for coming. Appreciate <laughs> your your efforts. But uh, yeah, so so with that, I suppose we must credit Balm, Gale, and O'Neill, our three elder statesmen of this football club now that are overlooking everything. And um, you know, I just want to go up and shake their hand and say thank you for everything. It's funny, I did text. I did get a share a text with KB on Friday night saying, "How good's this? You know, it's Tiger time. What are you thinking?" He sent back a text saying, "I uh, I thought we were going to win by twelve goals. Um, you know, I'm losing my touch." So it just goes to show that the, that sort of level of of, of uh, just excitement that we've yeah. got in the place. A couple of quick things before we sort of look ahead a bit. Um, there was a there was a play in the second quarter, I think it was, that sort of summarised the night as a whole for for me, and that was Brandon Ellis and Patrick Dangerfield were going head-to-head at a contest. Now, Brandon Ellis is a player who we've all criticised in the past for being a bit, you know, outside player, doesn't put his head over the ball. That's been and different this year, though. Yeah. He's definitely changed his game as well. And Danger's been a player who's renowned for his for his hardness and toughness at the ball. And they both went at it, and Ellis actually went, all right, I'm in, and, and went even harder. They both collided. They both bounced off each other. Both players get up, a bit ginger, Six play- Richmond players run to Brandon Ellis, rub his head. Well done, you know. Thanks. That's what we're all about here. No one went to Patrick Dangerfield. Mm. Um, in the in the lo- lining up of the um, of the of the the national anthem, Richmond players arm in arm, tight united together. Geelong players they all spread out. No no arm linkage whatsoever. They wanted to try and do what Adelaide did the night before and do the big stare down. We'll make ourselves look bigger. No, I actually just made you look like twenty two individuals out there, not a football club. Um, Made them look like a club that were actually from Geelong, to be honest. 
Are you canning Geelong as a, as a city? Oh, hang on. Controversial. Cool. No. no, I like Geelong. I'm Geelong's just saying. a nice place. They just seemed like a I club just... that came from a regional part of Australia. Okay. Did, just uh, saying. Did anyone, did anyone notice anyone that may not have been up to finals footy? Out there, and, I, um, and, I, and the, probably the one person that I did, and it's a guy that I've loved dearly and spoken highly about him all year, <laughs> is Castagna. That's what I thought you yeah. were going to say. Um, he hit, look, he kicked a goal. I just, I, my only concern of taking him out is you need to have someone who come in, who's going to come in with that pressure. Oh, well, well, let's have a look at the reserves. And geez, well, they just had another, they had another great game on the weekend, and <coughs> Stengel. Well, yeah, exactly. Four. Oh, I believe Lloyd kicked three, didn't yeah. he? Two? Yeah. yeah. I think Castagna has to be taken out. I'm sorry. I got in a tweet uh, war last night about this as well. I, I just come across a discussion of, uh, you know, potential changes for the prelim. And I, I certainly think Castagna has to... I love the kid. Yeah. And, and he will get plenty of opportunities in the, in, the, in the future. But at the end of the day, it's a preliminary final and you've got to go in with a 100% absolutely spot-on team. And... I just think, based on his performance from Friday night, I'm just not sure if he's in that best 22 finals yeah, players yeah. that we need. Uh, but uh, that doesn't mean that he won't be in the future, and it doesn't mean that another year under his belt next year he's going to be even better. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think players, if they're realistic with themselves, would know exactly where they fit in the whole structure of things. And he might be the expendable one. I know last week we were talking about could Broad be the one who, who comes out. I was really pleased with – he had a couple of he had a couple of clangers there in the second quarter, a couple of turnovers that we all thought, oh, geez, you know, oh he's going to drop his head here. But to his credit, he kept he kept, uh, kept going, kept positive, and I reckon that's part of the leadership of the guys like Rance and Grimes around that defensive, uh, that defensive setup that, that you know can take these guys and go, no, nah, no, nah, let's keep going with it. The bloke we haven't spoken about yet who – Deserves far more praise than uh, he's been getting. Is Nick Vlosten? I oh, thought he was. Yes, I he's thought a star. he was ten, ten, beard. ten marks. Bobbed up with a really important goal. Uh, he lays tackles. He takes contested marks. Uh, Mark Robinson says in the in the in his tackle today that yeah, I don't, he, does, he goes. I don't think I've seen anyone run back with the fly to the ball more than Nick Vlosten, and that just typifies the courage that he shows. Um, he's he's the guy who I reckon when I look at that Richmond side and go. Who's going to stand up in September and you know you know improve their legacy and go you know what he's a finals player which we've never seen from a Richmond side yet where anyone's gone you know what he's a finals player for me Nick Vlosten and uh, Dion Prestia they're the two who on the weekend I went you know what they're they're finals players and Dusty obviously he's having a day out um, from it do you think um, you know I know there was talk earlier in the year that Vlosten should be spending a bit more time in the midfield but do you think if we did that we'd be robbing Peter to pay Paul. Uh, I'm liking what he's doing at the moment. I'm happy with where he's at. Well, he's he's predominantly what playing a, a sort of a back pocket type role, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's almost like a Corey Enright. Yeah, a, a bit of a sweeper to mm. an extent. Yeah, just that last man in defence, which allow which allows Grimes and allows Rance to move up the ground on their players. And you know that Floston's always going to stay home. Yeah, Reese Conker tried to do that in the the last couple of years. When he's been fit. Yeah, when he was fit, he was, that was sort of his role. But now Vlosten's taken that over mm. and is doing it really well. Yeah. I did hear a little rumour that Conker could potentially be on the uh, on on the cards to come into the prelim final. But if history repeats itself, I honestly... I, I love Conker, I don't but... Know, but I don't know where you'd put him. It, that, it's exactly right. Well, I who, think yeah, Vlosten plays out? that role. Because like, there's, there's no one in that back line that you could seriously consider taking out you, at the moment. And, and you we can't just, play him forward. Yeah. We just can't bring him in again. Like, if history... I, I, I would just... 
as I said, no, I but love I'd understand Conk, if there was an injury or something and, and there was a spot available, but at the moment there just isn't. Look, if there was if Hooley or uh Vlostin were injured, then Conker would most likely be the best suit to replace either one of them. But as it stands, neither of either one of them aren't injured at the moment. So Chris Conker will be a premiership player. But it will be with the VFL. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, so we've got the bye week this week, uh, and the Richmond VFL side obviously had a win on the on the weekend. So they got Box Hill at Port Melbourne on Saturday afternoon. And uh, look, I, given the uh, the standard that we've sort of been setting in the in the in the AFL and the VFL this year, who knows? I mean, we uh, I think oh, I, big chance, a big chance against there. Well, the advantage we have is that Hawthorne haven't played in the finals, so that means that most of those senior blokes aren't available for for Box Hill. And so they've just been running with their with their list. Whereas Richmond have had all of our blokes training together, and the, and the benefit that you get from that as a VFL team, I think, is massive. So you would have to say that the Tigers have to be favourites. And you think every player in that VFL side would be hungry, knowing that Correct. if I play extremely, extremely well, you I'm a chance of playing. Know. I'm a chance of playing in an AFL preliminary final. So, so yeah. someone does a calf at training or something, you've got to be ready to put your hand up. Exactly. How lucky have we been with injuries? Like yeah. when you think when you think but about it, but isn't that but that is a normal year for an AFL team? The team that has the less least injuries or has the most players available for selection come finals time is normally the team that goes on to win. Mm. You don't see too many battered and bruised teams, apart from maybe the Bulldogs last year. Yeah, but having that week off gave them more of a full list to pick from for that first week of finals. You don't see too many battered and bruised teams go on to win flags. The war of attrition. I mean, everyone talks about it. And that's why yeah. they, they talk about, you know, with the bye week that, you know, it actually takes that away from everyone because it just puts everyone back on that level pegging. Do, are, we, are we worried about having another week off? Are we going to have one game in 26 days or something like that? Do we? I still think it's an issue. Oh, look, oh, yeah, I do. I think it's a, a real issue to have only that one game or that, that two games in four weeks. But having said that, I read in the paper today that uh, the Tigers are going to do a, a fairly full-on match simulation type scenario for... Uh, for Saturday. In a way, that's great, but they're only going to be able to do it with 22 blokes because the other 22 blokes are going to be playing in the VFL. So it's not going to be able to give them a full match simulation type situation. And and you'd wonder whether they were able to get onto a team that might have just dropped out of the VFL or someone or just say, hey, uh, can we just grab you for a bit? The the bit of a game, practice match. the, The upside, I guess, is that you look at, we had the week off, and we came out with that with that level of pressure. We thought we'd been we like we were locked in a cage for two weeks and we were ready to roar. We, we recorded our best pressure that we've done in since in five years. If they can if they can reestablish that after another fortnight, build it all up and you know be released from the uh, like a like a cannonball out and of that's the, going to be the major advantage is that there's going to be some sore bodies from all that tackling on Friday night. So to have that week off is probably going to be a massive advantage from that regard. But Momentum is such a big thing in sport, as we all know, and just to have that that break in momentum, I think, is is dangerous. You can't avoid you can't avoid the fact that it is dangerous. It's uh, it was such a such an important game to win, not just because the monkeys off the back and the relief and all that we sort of feel, but in the side of the draw that we've got, the loss. A loss. It was a preliminary final, almost in some senses, and an elimination final in the same sense, because the loser, Geelong. They have to play Sydney this week at the S- at the MCG. Tough kick. Tough kick. The, the, the Sydney are the only team in the comp. I reckon you can say it's that you've got no advantage by playing at the at the MCG against. And then if they just so happen to win that, all over the road they go to Adelaide over the over the border there and play Adelaide in front of fifty thousand screaming Adelaide Crows fans. So that's that's a tough ask. Meanwhile, we now come up against in a fortnight uh, against either. 
Port Adelaide. Uh, GWS or West Coast. Uh, GWS or West Coast. A GWS side that's looking like it's losing players by the minute um, and just looks slow and uh, a mile off it. And against a West Coast team that's, you know, well done to them, but they've they've had to play extra games. They have to travel a lot. They're old. They're weary. Um, this is our best. This We have got the best chance of any team to make a grand final. Who would you rather be playing? West Coast. Oh, I've just I've started a, uh, a Twitter competition trying to get everyone behind getting Stevie Johnson back in the GWS team. <laughs> get them he, he deserves to be in that team. <laughs> you roll your eyes, your picks. Please, Leon Cameron. You need Steve Johnson in that team. You, you cannot win without him. Gold so, Coast. Uh, Gold Coast. How am I going? GWS. I don't think they're going to win in the prelim, uh, in their final. No, I think uh, final. West Coast. The West Coast have got an all right record up yeah, there as yeah, well. They, have, they, yeah. they, they played them up there a couple of weeks ago. They only went down by a goal or two. I think they're going to win West Coast. They've got finals experience. They've got a bloke named Sam Mitchell in the middle there who's you know won a few. And, and we speak about momentum. Uh, they go into this game just full of confidence and, and the fact, you know, that they know that they can get out of that sort of scenario. Yep. Whereas GWS still have their tail between their legs. And they're going... And injuries, oh. a few injury concerns. Yeah. Jeremy Cameron's out with a hamstring. Shane Mumford is on crutches at the moment. Might not get up again. Um, you know, and they, they just look slow. And, you know, blokes like Brett Delidio, who, who you know, part of me thinks that we, I'd love to see Lids come back and we flogged them at the no, MCG. You'd feel a bit sad for him. Oh, I got, I got a lot of respect for Brett. Delady. I do, but at the same time, he, you know, there's part of me that goes, "You left us, you left us because you wanted to win a premiership," and here we are. I'm kind of glad he left, to be honest. Well, I think we, I keep coming back to how good are we to have, you know, the, how how have we done out of that trade? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. way better. Yeah. We've been a way um, better side. Look, Brett, it'd be, look, I'd be, it'd be nice to see him have some sort of success, but at the same time, I think you know, I'm bleeding yellow and black here first and foremost, club first. So, um. You know, we got we got a, we've got a week now to see what happens there, and then you know we'll regroup and 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 go from there. But I did anyone go out after the game to to sort of just soak in the atmosphere around Richmond Way? No, I was yeah. I was in the car driving to uh, Phillip Island, had a weekend of motor racing. She's straight in down there, and I was uh, tuned into Finney's Final Siren. <laughs> How are the callers going? Oh, no, they were, yeah, over the moon, yeah. over the moon. Yeah, no, I uh, just did the walk back from uh, the MCG to Richmond Station. So I sort of just embraced everybody, all the Tigers fans outside the There's G. so many And you know there what? Was. You should have. Uh, seriously, you should have done yourself a favour and just walked an extra 10 minutes and just gone up Swan Street oh. to Church Street and back because that would have been crazy. Full of Richmond fans. Yeah. I, did, I did a bit of a lap around and then ended up at the Cricketer's Arms yeah. on Punt Road there. And it was going off. the topless barmates? No, that's the Royal. Oh, okay. The Royal. Um, but the, the, yeah, the, uh, certainly half the Richmond supporters went topless by the end of it. We were, we were over the moon. The, every 10 minutes they'd play the song and we'd all sing. And I got the uh, I got a, I got a quarter, about quarter to one and I had jump on the train. And it was chock-a-block still with Richmond supporters. And I reckon we sang the song five times on the yeah. way home. It was just incredible. I just, it was, as I said, it was foreign territory for us all, but we absolutely embraced it. We loved it. You know, I know there's talk that we're getting ahead of ourselves now. I don't think that's the case. I think we're just enjoying it because we don't know what this is like. Like yeah. this is this is this is fantastic. Yeah. Well, I had a guy singing the song on the train on the way home, and they're like, the other Tiger supporters were like, "We haven't won the prelim lit yet. Just keep a lid on it. Keep a lid on it. Still keep a lid on it. Enjoy I, it for what it but is. Yeah. Another thing, which and that's was, what the club's done. Yeah. Another thing that was pretty incredible. Right? Didn't even know this bloke. He was. Probably he had a couple of drinks, to be honest. But he didn't kiss you, did he? No, he didn't kiss me. Nice. Didn't kiss me. But he he just gets off the train. He's high fives. And he says, "Oh, go Tigers!" Like <laughs> now, yes, yes, I had lots of high fives. Just how, how great is it though? Like 
all the Richmond supporters being happy and thrilled that we're in a prelim and we're having some success that's really long overdue. And look, in three weeks' time, was it three weeks away the grand final? Three, yeah, three, yeah, three, three weeks. Three weeks' time, we could be playing a grand final. My twelve-year-old boy, who sat in front of you guys, uh, had never been to a game where there was a crowd of ninety-five thousand people. Had he never been to a, an AFL game? It was so loud. It was amazing. Exactly. Yeah, the, the, the noise was just one of. Uh, at the end of the game where, you know, read the scores and all that sort of stuff after the first singing of the song and then got to say that line and the Tigers are now through to a preliminary final. Never, I've never said that before. That's very ever, special, on the, on the ground and On the ground announcement of the MCG. So that was really good. And the, and the response from the crowd and everyone, it's it's exciting stuff. Just, just soak it and up. And we just, we just pray to God that the four teams playing this weekend belt the living daylights out of each other. Oh, I'm just so happy that Adelaide and Sydney meet on that other side because, you know, yeah. I don't want to get too, again, I don't want to get too far ahead, but those two teams oh, are the dangerous. You, you don't want Sydney in a preliminary final. No. And you don't you don't and certainly you and don't Adelaide want them in a semi final. You don't want them in a semi final like no. Geelong got this week. Um yeah, it was interesting just before we wrap up. I wore um you know, I'm, I've never been the sort of person to go out and wear footy club paraphernalia. I've just sort of never it's never been me. I did. I do happen to have a couple of Richmond jumpers and that sort of thing now because I, I got given a few um, by someone who used to work at BLK after they went bust and they were our sponsor last year. Saturday morning, I thought, oh, you know what? So you, no, so you can't even buy a jumper from the club. No, no. I put, put, I, 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 I put, put the 100% jumper on. Hundred percent of your money a, when you buy from the club goes straight to the club. Oh, well, you know what? I'm thinking I'm gonna, I might have to buy a new scarf this I week. Think, oh, well, that's 30 bucks. 30 thanks, bucks. Oh, thanks. Well, we're, 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 all about the, we're all about to buy a long way to pay for Dustin Martin's 1.4. It was a mate. It was a, just, you know, walking. I went down to, I, walking to, I walked into Subway. We're in the jump. Oh, you know, geez, you must be up and about. And then got petrol. And then, you know, everyone, just everywhere you went, everyone was, was wanting to, you know, geez, you know, yeah, good this. And I'm like, I just wanted to tell people how happy I was. It was, it was, um, it was just, it was just, don't know how to feel. But to feel. once again, everyone is just riding on the coattails of the Richmond Football Club. Aren't they? We spoke about this last week. Mm. The newspapers, the, the the TV station, everyone. It's just all Richmond. We really? are. We're going to be the story of the finals. I think. Like we, we're one way or the other. Which is, you know, you'd you'd hate to look. We we we'll talk about the preliminary final next week. But just as we wrap up, I, I just needed to point it to everyone. If you are a member, you should have got something in the mail and uh, possibly by email as well, about telling you, yeah, the ballot for. Uh, and gives me great pleasure to say this. Uh, you know, the, the possibility of grand final tickets, which again, foreign territory for all of us. Now, uh, the important things about it is you need to have a look at what category you are. Yes. Uh, so, category one are going to be the people who get the first lot of the tickets. If there's any tickets left after Category 1, people have got their tickets. Then Category 2 get the opportunity, and then Category 3 after that. You be must careful. Pre- yep. Be careful. If you put eight membership numbers on the one form, they will not split membership. So if there's not eight tickets available, if there's only like six tickets and they can't give you eight, you won't get any. Yep. So be, be wary of that. Secondly, also be wary of the fact that you are bidding – for the best available ticket. Now, if you're not willing to spend $710 on a Category 1 ticket, then don't do it because 
they'll be taking 710 bucks out of your credit card. Yeah. Just be wary of that as well. So what you have to do is you have to get on to, uh, the, you either go to, I think it's this Thursday, the 14th of September is the registration day for online. So you go to ticketech.com.au, have your barcode details there, um, and there'll be a there'll be a tab there that says you know to pre-register for, for grand final tickets, and you fill all that out and you go into the ballot. And if you're category one, you're guaranteed a seat, which is like the that's like the Morris Rioli Club and the Platinums and all those sort of stuff. And then there's category two after that, yeah. which is your gold, silver, bronze. And then category three is your three game members and yeah. your, your animal membership. Yeah, all, all those sort of types. So you aren't yeah, which are very important to the club. Well, that's what gets us get, keeps the, the ticket rolling, but. You need to go on there and do it. You can you can also do it by phoning Ticketek, and I think you can also do it by postage. But you need to get onto it pretty yeah. immediately. And as you say, if you if you are put, putting eight tickets together, you you your chances are better of getting tickets if it's if you're going in groups of you know two, three, three or four. four. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, that's not to say that we're we're not saying we're going to be playing in a grand final just yet. We're not we're not looking that far ahead, but we're just saying that this is this is what you have to do now if you are thinking about going along. Um, so get on there and do that. Uh, there's more information. Go to the Richmond website, richmondfc.com.au. There's a little tab there. You can that'll take you through it as well. Gentlemen, enjoy the week. Uh, see everyone at Port Melbourne on Saturday. Let's get behind our VFL team in their preliminary final. Two thirty Saturday afternoon at Port Melbourne against the Box Hill Hawks. Against Chrissy Newman, our former Richmond captain, yeah. coaching the Hawks. So let's hope that the Tigers can get through the grand final at Eddie Head Stadium the week after, which would just be absolutely amazing. You would know be. what happens when teams win grand finals in the VFL? The senior team goes through and wins in the AFL. Happened last year. Gentlemen. Happened the year before. Carl, you have a great week too. Hey, you too, guys. I'm, I'm keeping a little... I'm, I'm he pretty was, quiet. He, Carl on, fr- on Friday night was actually literally speechless from the results. I, I was. <laughs> and, I, and it hasn't changed. He I'm was still speechless. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers.